Thank you for joining us. For the benefit of participants who are blind or have a visual impairment, all speakers will begin with a short self-description. My name is Malebu Sipodi. I am a South African black femme. I have a black curly afro and I'm wearing red uh, framed reading glasses and I'm wearing a pink top. And I am your moderator for today's di digital dialogue. Today we are putting the spotlight on amplifying underrepresented voices. What would a gender equal approach to remote working look like? Although remote working is not a new phenomenon, the COVID-19 pandemic shifted the traditional place-based employment model in cities across the world virtually overnight. Mobile connectivity and digital infrastructure has allowed people to work from home and some argue it has bolstered the working force within the growing gig economy. Remote work has been praised with many merits, such as increased productivity, greater employee happiness, improved work-life balance. You know, a 2021 LinkedIn study reveals that women are more likely to apply to remote positions, despite the increased flexibility remote work can offer working women. An article published in Forbes raises concerns that the new hybrid workplace could turn some women into second-class employees. Now, the main argument of this article states that working remotely, you know, doesn't just offer women possibilities to find balance between their work life and their family duties, but it also comes at a cost. Women are still less likely to be promoted. They are underrepresented in leadership positions. They get paid less and experience disadvantages after having children. All of these factors, you know, may contribute to entrenching existing gender pay gaps. In terms of maintaining a healthy work-life balance, research emphasizes how women who work remotely are faced with different opportunities and challenges than men in these situations. <laughs> the hidden taxes on women, and this is like a debate that happens um, in many countries, you know, these taxes that are hidden, they are a good example that illustrates gender differentiation and dynamics, particularly those working in countries of the global South. Now to help us discuss these questions um, and more, we are delighted to welcome our panelists, Dr. Tendani Mulanga Chimboza, who is joining us from South Africa, and Dr. Prince Charles Dixon, who's joining us from Nigeria. So now each panelist will introduce us, they'll give us a brief description and they input for seven minutes and then we'll have some discussion and questions. So remember what questions that you come up with, any comments, please do put them in the chat box and I'll be able to ask them to the panelists throughout the discussion. Tendani, welcome. I am looking forward to your perspective. I look forward um, to carrying on this discussion with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, um, Malibu. So I am Tendani, Dr. Tendani Chimboza. I am wearing a kante. This is a very colorful orange, red, and green and black uh, top. I work at the University of Cape Town. I am from the Limpopo province. I'm a vendor, a mom, and a wife. So this is what we know for sure um, about remote working. Uh, we know that uh, globally, 27% of women are likely to apply for remote work. And we know that 60% of the women report that 
you know, they, they, they enjoy the flexibility of um, remote working, uh, given the, the work schedule that it gives them, and also given the opportunity to do all the many responsibilities that they, um, that they do. Um, also, we know for a fact that um, globally, um, if in, in the global south, women tend to take responsibility of um, childcare and household um, activities. While in the global north, we have seen um, new, a new trend where men are starting to opt for you know, remote work um, jobs and sometimes leaving their work completely to go and take care of the children. You know, a lot of women um, uh, accept that, you know, remote working um, sort of affects, you know, collaboration, real-time communication, um, managing relationships, you know, with coworkers virtually is very uh, problematic especially in the global south where there are a lot of organizations that have you know command and control um work culture where there is you know a need where you know it's usually a, a male um manager who wants to see uh, people at work and believe that they can micromanage when they are in the vicinity so um and the other um, aspect to this is that, especially in Africa, because of, you know, the different cultural traditions and beliefs and some stereotypes associated with working women or very educated women, you know, it can introduce some anxiety for women, you know, to fight uh, for growth in their career and be able to continue committing um, to their household and child caring activities. And perhaps maybe let me just give you a scenario. Um, I am a university lecturer and a researcher. My husband is a GIS um, specialist. So we work from home. I do have help, however, Sometimes um, the, the help does go away. On the days that the help is away, um, I have to wake up at uh, half past five in the morning. I have to wake up at half past five in the morning, ensure that I wash um, uh, the child, put together food for the child and take the child to school. At that time, the whole time, my husband is still sleeping. And after that, I have to come back, um, make breakfast for us, um, tidy up the house, and then start working at around um, half past nine to 10. At that time, my husband has already started waking at around half past eight. Um, just before lunch, I have to worry about fixing us a snack or something to eat. And I later have to worry about um, the food to eat. This is just very practical of it. And of course, I have to convince each other that, oh, let's walk to go and fetch the child from school. And again, I have to worry about what to do when the child is back from school. This is just practically from my side. Has this, does this affect my um, productivity? Yes, it does, in, incredibly, because um, most, of, most of the time, innately, um, I have this belief or cultural thing that will be blackmailing me in the background. That's what my mother say. 
I need my husband cook. What would my mother say if I leave all the roles and responsibilities to me? However, there are times where via empathy, um, the husband does help. And of course, we get to a, a happier place. But the point is that there are many times that, you know, I will find myself juggling um, with those activities. Next slide. And I have also noticed that um, across the continent, um, South Africa is one of the countries that have somewhat, um, it's leading in terms of women working from home um, and having to even, um, you know, somewhat um, um, prosper. However, um, because of the many traditional beliefs that we have across the continent, um, the very clearly defined gender roles that we have, it is still very difficult for uh, women to work um, remotely. And you will, maybe I should ask for forgiveness for not putting a disclaimer. So um, the fact that I am very well acquainted with women's role, I have not explored um, the, 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 the other genders like the trans or queer in terms of remote working. So, um, so here is just uh, me trying to conceptualize some, you know, somewhat not um, conceptualized remote working across genders. Those are some of the, 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 the unintentional, unintentional consequences of remote working. Uh, that have not been thoroughly explored, that sort of make, um, you know, uh, people um, question um, remote working. So remote working does introduce uh, the notion of digital pacifier. This is where we uh, just give our children um, devices, mobile devices, so that we can work from work and unfortunately we can work from home. Unfortunately, um, we don't really monitor um, the screen time and content because the point is that they should just not disturb us. And there is an emergence of technophares. So this is about um, you know, using technologies and working from home that affects our interpersonal relationships for parenting or for spousal relationships. Um, and of course, this is when I'll give an example when a man is trying very hard to stay at the position that they are. So you will find that the man will, the husband would be on the screen most of the time. And we have to understand that daddy has to work and we don't have to disturb them, but also it introduces a very, um, a very uh, difficult picture. I'm sure you can see in the images that I have put where almost everybody has a device and we are just all um, on our devices and neglecting um, you know, the quality time that we should have at home. And then of course, there are work-related information security compliance challenges uh, because um, it is not all the time that um, I'm almost done. So it's not all the time that um, working from a home situation would consider security protocols from work and it can leave digital assets of the work vulnerable. The final slide that has a some sort of solution. So um, yes, uh, there is a need for organizations to, 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 to create um, policies that are inclusive for um, both genders and for everyone. 
Um, and nation states have to raise awareness uh, about opportunities in remote working, um, especially avenues for navigating cultural tra traditions and beliefs um, that marginalize work if, uh, women um, efficiency while working from home. And that's it from my side. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Tendani. Um, those are really great points to reflect on. Uh, what I particularly enjoyed is the self, you know, reflexivity in your presentation, and I'm sure we'll we'll touch more on that. And now, um, if you if if you could um, switch off your video, and if we could have Dr. Prince on the screen, please unmute yourself and switch on your video. And I'm looking forward to hear some of your points. Introduce yourself. And also don't forget to begin with a self-description. Over to you, Prince. It's um, still evening in this part of the globe. Uh, my name is Prince Charles Dixon and um, I work within the development sector, specifically doing engagements in the conflict and peace building thematic area. I work north central of Nigeria, Plateau State specifically. Uh, the work I would rather classify as a peace practitioner and a policy analyst. Uh, interestingly, uh, I've had cross-cutting engagement in women and gender and in recent times, gender studies, and uh, that's where my interest lies in the essence of this conversation. That's not necessarily talk too much about myself. Um, I'm what in Nigeria you would clearly call fair, but uh, it's a dark background. And um, I've got a dread, which is non-Nigerian uh, for a man. So it's a long dread. I wear glasses and um, Currently, I'm wearing just a T-shirt, a branded official office T-shirt. Um, I think that that pretty much is me. Uh, that sums up who I am. Discussing this, I, uh, it's been quite interesting listening to Dr. Tendani and um, her experiences, which is pretty much African and I can relate and I understand and I do totally agree with points she's raised. A gender equal approach to remote working uh, seems to have a conversation, seems to, seems to put the conversation around prioritizing, creating an environment where uh, it's inclusive and equitable for most women employees. But you see, in our own part of the globe, uh, even in the conventional work environment, women don't get inclusivity, women don't get equitable uh, fair share of how work is actually uh, spread across uh, in terms of gender. Uh, but again, in the context of this conversation, I think the key conversation for me is around when we say gender equal approach, uh, like my colleague put it, first of all, I want to look at flexible working hours. The idea for remote working is to prioritize flexibility in working hours to accommodate the needs um, and the responsibilities of uh, in this case, women. Uh, but again, when you look at the context, caregiving, household responsibilities, it's tough for women already. It's like um, there's already a bus stop, there's already a hedge before we even start the conversation. And for women, it's difficult, especially, I, I, I would say, as a father, as a, as a husband, uh, there are 
African demands in terms of gender conversation, there are structural uh, demands that make it even more difficult for women. Uh, so how do you, in remote work, allow for women to set their own schedules uh, or provide options that, for example, reduces their hours or help them micromanage those hours? Uh, another key factor is addressing issues in communication itself when you're talking about remote working. Because uh, I, I'm smiling as I say this, as the African woman would tend to talk a lot. And then you're asking remote working in terms of the existing bias in such communication issues, particularly around gender, how do we approach it? How do we prioritize addressing these biases, ensuring that women have equal opportunities to participate in say, for example, meetings and other form of communications that uh, remote working has shown at us. Um, another factor for me is trying to encourage or bring in perspective work-life balance. Uh, I've noticed from experience and from little research that, um, uh, uh, that uh, uh, remote working basically can blur lines, and it does blur lines between work and personal life. And this can be particularly challenging uh, with women who have, uh, for example, caregiving responsibilities, uh, people who find it difficult naturally to prioritize work-life balance. Uh, most would not know at what point to take a break and taking those breaks and what it means to their general well-being. Um, again, I think in the introduction that I just spoke beautifully to that. Uh, I wouldn't be able to address the gender pay gap uh, because uh, remote working itself should be further in terms of, as we go, discuss the issue of pay equity, ensuring that women regardless get the same or fairly enough for the work they do. And, and this, this, this could, in fact, we've, we've, we've talked about this extensively, the need to have things like uh, pay equity analysis, taking decisions that address gaps that are pretty much identified in terms of this. I, I say, speaking generally now, that remote work itself or remote working uh, can be for women uh, and for all genders basically, uh, have positive and of course negative effects. But on women in workforce, on one hand, uh, I believe that remote work creates and provides greater flex flexibility and work-life balance. Uh, which particularly is important for women, uh, beyond caregiving, just as women. But on the other hand, I think it could also estimate uh, existing gender equalities in workplace. Uh, of course, particularly around the issue of pay, uh, particularly again around the issue of career advancement, promotion and conversations there. Um, let me put a stop here. And as we go, I would look extensively at uh, caregiving responsibilities, um, I already see somebody in the box saying, did you hear me say African women talk a lot? Uh, I would probably say a few things on gender bias and communication and, of course, lack of access to resources. Thank you very much.
Um, thank you. Thank you, Prince. And um, thank you um, to that last note that you actually spoke on. I want to just have you for a second here before I bring in Tendani. So um, I want you to speak to that whole African women talk a lot and, <laughs> and speak to it in terms of, you know, the stereotypes and the way that we think of women and how those fit in the roles and how, how those fit in the navigation of how we think about equity, particularly in the workplace. And um, it was Tendani who spoke about, um, you know, the traditional cultural structure usually mirror the way that people show up, particularly in African communities, right? And so when you use, you know, words like African women um, talk a lot, I'd like you to just clarify that a little bit um, in context of uh, today's conversation. Now, um, in context of today's conversation, I, I, I would say very, very, with a sense of high responsibility that it's intentional and there are two sides of it. It, it helps me to and um, helps us to have conversation around breaking this gender biases in communication. So particularly here, we're talking about remote working and remote work, which indeed exacerbates existing gender biases in communication, particularly if there are unequal opportunities for participation. Say, for example, in real-time meetings or virtual meetings or other forms of communication. The truth of the matter is, from my perspective, uh, when we say there's a need for women to be involved in women, peace and security, to be part of the conversation around security spaces, digital spaces, it is from the context of the change that they bring. But you see, in the general stereotype, it is from the context of, oh, that woman's going to take all the time. The woman won't deliver because she wouldn't be able to keep the schedule. And so if we don't have conversations around ensuring equity, equitable distribution in terms of not just pay in this case, in terms of not just communication, but regardless of the gender, having equal opportunities to have cont contributions, to have conversation, to have narratives had, to have women had, then, of course, you would see that there's a lot of gap still waiting to be filled. Uh, I, I recall in, in her opening remarks, she had said something, uh, Victor had said something to the effect that she also said to herself, what would my mother think? What would my, so these are biases that have, that have stayed and through the work we do with those we work with, we try consistently to reinforce it so that we can have the conversation around what is right and how can we look at it from a right perspective. Okay. Uh, thank you so much, um, Prince. Um, I think we'll delve more into that. Um, so Tendani, please feel free to switch on your video and join the conversation as we get into the second part of today's dialogue. And this time it will just provide the panelists and myself to have a conversation based on the presentation on the presentations, and then we will go into the questions that are coming in or that have come in before. And at any stage, if you have any question, please do um, put it in the chat box and I'll make sure that I get it to the panelists. So Tendani, um, uh, Prince, if you could also have your video on, that would be really great. So, you know, when we, when we talk about these gender equal approaches to remote work, so you spoke about the challenges and opportunities that, that present themselves to remote work. But when we talk about um, within the workplace itself, do you think there are any changes, uh, particularly 
with uh, what Prince has said. And what I do like about, I forgot to say, what I do like about this part of the conversation that is, is that many times we work in silos, in our different industries, in our different, in our different uh, disciplines. So these kind of dialogues assist us to have interdisciplinary conversations and have you know, cross intersexual uh, conversations. So with regards to uh, Prince's points, what are the major challenges that still prevent us from, you know, um, achieving equity? Things like promotion in the workplace, um, things like leadership uh, opportunities in the workplace, things like policies, you know, um, that that do, you know, favor the marginalized um, genders in the workplace. Um, and if you have anything particular that Prince said that has that has kind of sparked your interest and you want to ask him a question or speak to that, please feel free. Okay, thank yeah. you very much. So I am going to choose not to catch feelings from um, African women talk a lot. Um, so I'm just going to say that um, I'm going to say it is true. It has been very, it has been a liberating function of um, African women. I think I am finding myself here as a Black woman academic because women talked. So with regards to with regards to um, the promotion in the workplace, I'm very practical. So, in most, uh, you will remember during COVID when we were working, most of us, I had to apologize all the time because um, I I felt that oh no, I'm beginning a meeting and you know Tadiwa is gonna run here and 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 so I had to apologize in advance. Mm, promotion well it is interesting because we all majority of us here or i work in the it industry so in in the in the slides that i have in the notes i had to do like a little background you know desktop research and it was interesting to see that women are unattractive especially for highly technical jobs because they require them to be present for a long time and women are said not to be able to be flexible because they have to, they take, they bear the brunt of majority of the activities in the home. But that sounds cliche, right? Okay, let's break it down. So if um, there is traveling involved, um, research shows that an organization will choose an unmarried man or a man altogether. Because, you know, there is this idea that a woman will raise that, oh, can, can we move it to this time? Or can we move it to... So the organization, as organization has to sacrifice, feel that they have to sacrifice to work around women's time. While on the men's side, it's just a matter of finding, you know, when is the next available time. And because at home, um, again, African women cannot, you know, fight... The fact that, oh, no, but we have karate on Saturday. Why are you leaving? I would just have to accept that, you know, it is, it is just what it is. Lady has to go and work for us. So those are some of the practical challenges that, you know, we have to overcome. And it has, it is an implicit, you know, policy that is existing, that it's not written in any organization. But we just see men being the ones that are, um, pro uh, progressing once 
a woman gets married and they have children, um, they become less attractive. And I think that is also the case in the Western world. They become less attractive for highly demanding uh, work, especially from a, a technical perspective in IT industry. I hope I have answered you. Thank, uh, thank you so much, Tandani. And I'd like to keep you here just to address something um, um, that has come up um, due to Dr. Prince's statement. And, um, and when I did pose the question to Dr. Prince is that, you know, we do have stereotypes and um, we need to be able to create safe spaces when we have conversations like this. And especially when we invite men, um, they, there needs to be a lot of reflexivity um, in, the in the terms of languages that we use and in the terms of the st stereotypes that continue to be perpetuated. And I would like to take the moment just um, to apologize um, to our members today who have joined us, um, to the audience, um, for any triggers that have occurred and if the space has not been safe enough. And um, so with that said, we have a, a, a some conversation that's happening within the chat box. Um, and I want to read it out so that maybe Tandani, you could help us here. And I will also just like, um, you know, just to get a directive from, um, from our host as well in terms of how do we continue because I personally was triggered as well by that statement. Um, so I want to read the comments so that, because these are important, you know, I think it's important for us to see these dynamics play out and I feel like they are triggering and um, we do need to address them. And if it was according to me, I would ask Dr. Prince to kind of excuse himself from the conversation, but I will wait for the host uh, to give us a, um, a a headway on that. Um, so I'm sorry, we have... I'm sorry, so... Malibu. Mm, I am yeah. so sorry. I know it's not in the program, but I need to ask something okay. very quickly. Um, and I don't know if now I'm going to be falling under the bus as well, but I want to un understand the, the other side of it. Né? If we are to twist it and look at the other suffering of men for having to commit to cultural tradition um, and not um, like for I'll give you an example right um, my husband um, would not stand in the kitchen right if my other my family my family members from Venda are there solely because they would say, oh, no, you cannot do this. You know, you're a man and, and, and. What about that discussion? Um, it, like, Prince, is that what you were referring to? Are you referring to the fact that women talk a lot and it downplays the men's voice? Is that, is that where it's coming from? Maybe he can, he can just clarify us there because... This is supposed to be a safe space, yes. But at the same time, we have to have difficult conversations. Yeah, um, just hold on to that. Um, I want to read the comments so that we do make this as participatory as possible, um, just so that we hear what um, you know our audience are saying about this. Um, so we have a comment that says, um, I actually think that African women talk a lot should really be digged in as a theme of this. What happens in remote work in Zoom conferences when an African woman opens the mic 
is she more discredited more than usual based on the idea that anyway, she will talk a lot. So time for making coffee, answering a message, how the bias enters the dynamics in Zoom on what and who we pay attention to. Um, and um, we have another one that says, I don't feel that Dr. Prince addressed the expression and I'm disturbed by um, uh, Pacific's comments. I don't feel that this is a safe space to discuss such a topic, therefore I am leaving. So maybe let me throw it back to you, um, Prince. Um, would you like to speak to that, especially with what uh, Dr. Tendani has also said? And I, I, and I think this moment is, a, is, is an important moment because um, as Tendani has also um, uh, put it forward in her presentation that, you know, there are a lot of um, cultural norms that a lot of, uh, you know, African women, women um, from marginalized societies, you know, have to deal with, with in, in terms of um, internal oppression, have to deal with. And how do you navigate, you know, um, these challenges? So with hearing all of this that has come forward, which is an important teaching moment for all of us, uh, Dr. Prince, as, 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 as I get a directive from Tendani, uh, would you like to speak on that? Um, just unmute yourself. Uh, ju just a second, sorry. L like I wrote extensively on the on the chat box. Um, this is it. Is that my opinion that women talk a lot? No, 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 no. I don't think everybody talks. If you have to talk, you talk a lot, a little. It's really too. There are men who talk. That's not the context. The context has to be understood. And the context of this conversation around cultural norms, gender roles, especially in the global South. And like I said, these are deeply ingrained cultural norms. They are gender roles that are assigned to specific, uh, for specific reasons to women. For example, in the domestic context, and often than not, often than not, these would cause women, for example, to be excluded from certain jobs, from certain uh, sectors, from certain uh, types of uh, uh, work. Okay, I'll give you an example. Like, like Dr. Tandendi was saying, in Nigeria, there are lots of women in the tech industry, but not so much of them because there's a, a general cultural belief that, oh, women shouldn't be doing tech things. It's a man's tech thing. Do I believe that? No. And then the idea is to change that perception, to change that thinking, not to validate it. Do I validate that women? No, 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 no. I work within women, peace and security, and I engage women, and I am of the opinion, strong opinion, that more women should be engaged within that space. And so, but if you don't address it, to hear other opinions, to have people bring their view as to whether or not, or whether they should, then you will be lying to yourself. All right. Um, thank you, Dr. Prince. And again, to everybody, we would like to apologize if uh, this conversation is triggering. Uh, please do send your questions and your comments and put them in the chat box and we will try by all means to create um, a safe space. I will start asking the questions that have been brought forward uh, by some of our audience. And um, thank you so much um, to Ada for actually uh, bringing this conversation well. And I hope that the hosts um, we've noted, they've noted this particular point because I think it's something that needs to continue um, you know, in the dialogues. It's an important um, um, 
it's an important critical conversation to have. Um, so there's one question that um, asks, are you aware of any initiatives to sensitive companies um, and HR professionals on the impact of remote work on women, particularly in the global South, where housework and childcare are not often shared. So we have spoken uh, mainly about, um, you know, many times, you know, in a nuclear family or the roles of men and women, but, you know, we do have households where the domestic duties are not shared. And this, this, this question um, is for that. I'll read it again. Are you aware of any initiatives to sensitive com companies and HR professionals on the impact of remote work on women, particularly in the global South where housework and childcare are not often shared? Um, Tendani? Nope. I don't know of any initiative. Um, I just know that last year, um, the University of Cape Town introduced what is called four days of wellness. Um, this was because uh, people had, there was like a two minute revolt uh, where people were saying um, the university is not understanding um, the pain that we have to go through juggling uh, between hybrid lecturing when the technology falls apart and the students are sending a bombarding you with emails. So the stress related to that um, triggered a lot of people to start, you know, just um, being passive, literally just doing that which needs to be done. And the university introduced four days of wellness. That's the only thing. It wasn't any gender focused. It was across. Okay. And um, I will just link that question to um, another one that, um, that has just come up here. Uh, it says, um, oh, I've lost it now. Oh yeah, so Zetulubisi says, this is an interesting topic and it's linked to my current study. Seemingly the challenge for WLB affects more women than it does to men, and some of the issues occurs from the home side of things. How can that be improved to ensure equity? In the working environment, what policies could be implemented to ensure equal opportunities for all? Uh, Dr. Prince, do you want to tackle that one? I lost you for a second. Okay, so this, um, it's in the chat box. It's by Zetu Lubisi. This is an interesting topic. And it's linked to my current study. Seemingly, the challenges for WLB affect more women than it does to men. And some of the issues occurs from the home side of things. How can that be improved to ensure equity? In the working environment, what policies could be implemented to ensure equal opportunities for all? Uh, somehow, again, it, it drags us back again. You, you find out in the home front, um, again, I know it's pretty much sensitive, but again, we still have to touch some of these issues in the context of the home front. L let me say this by looking at uh, the last question, which actually interloops into this. In the global South, there are largely no, no defined HR policy that really is for women. So like you had in South Africa, where you had wellness. In Nigeria, what the government did over the last few, uh, one, two years was to say, men can now go on maternity leave. So when your wife has a baby or she's about to have a baby, you can also be on break to help her. And what we've done in this part is more like domestication. And because we're domesticating, 
The conversation does not largely carry our culture or the culture of the environment. The ILO, for example, the International Labour Organization, had a toolkit that I think, um, if I'm correct, was developed uh, post-COVID, which was more like a guidance on addressing disproportionate impact of work, especially remote work on women. Now, the question would be for me, where African women, where global South countries, nations taken into cognizance, why that peak was being developed. I know there's a policy brief also on gendered impacts, remote work for women. But you see, again, some of the cultural nuances are left hanging, are not talked about. And so when it comes to practical terms, the woman is still, I mean, like she was, Dr. Tendeni was talking about things like promotion, things like having spaces that were her equally as a person would not be stamped on. So you find out that it's, it's, it's a delicate tread to tr- a rope to tread. Uh, if, 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 I mean, for further resources, I, I did like some of our, our listeners to, uh, to go look at the, the, I think the World Economic Forum uh, Global Tax Force on the Future of Work, which emphasizes a focus on gender and work and develops a few recommendations on how we can have equitable, equitable is the conversation, equitable is the word for all across all gender. And I think until we get to that point, it's still a conversation in the making. What are the roles, stereotypes for women outside workplace and in workplace? Thank you so much. Uh, Tendani, do you want to add to that? Yeah. So um, last year, I happened to go to a big event um, in Kenya. And while I was there, I could still see that, oh, you know, I'm still one of the few women that are there. And in the evening, there was a big party. And in this big party, again, the women get fewer. Um, the others have gone home. The ones who are from Kenya, they have gone home. And I am the one who is still there. And there are still those stereotypes of what am I doing at night? Um, in the party drinking when, you know, people have gone home. And I was thinking to myself, I have also gone through the conference and the stresses of it the way that the person has done. So why should I not enjoy the party as well? But the, the, uh, the conversation now went further into what is it that you do when you're back in South Africa? And I mentioned what I do. And people seemed to be shocked that I have moved that fast um, in my career at my age, right? Um, Yes, we are not coming up with practical solutions about the African woman um, in the workplace. And Aliswa, Jonas, I can tell you, it's because nobody is prepared to really accept that Although the global north is moving very fast in terms of introducing new ways of work and end, we also want to join this class, but we have neglected the big things that control how we live on a daily basis, and those are our African cultures. And I think women need to talk more. (laughs) We need to talk more. We need to go ahead and talk more about how best can we work remotely. Um, And I did mention in my talk earlier that it is only over empathy 
that the man at home will help you. And also, it, it's also when um, the man is, has some inter, like cultural intelligence to be able to assist the man, the woman at home. When you go back to the workplace, the management itself does not have intercultural intelligence to understand how to navigate this, um, you know, African woman way of working remotely. How about introducing flexible hours that will allow me to do whatever the things that I have to do? But remember, the working hours that we have are, again, Western. Okay, it is like when you're introducing socialist ideologies, but you are operating on a capitalistic environment. Those are two contradicting systems. So it is us that need to work out, you know, navigate um, ways in our cultures. And it's us, the so-called educated women, who have to do this. I understand the, what is it, the prejudice that comes with this or the, is it stereotypes, or is it the stigma that comes with a very loud woman saying, I think Malibu knows Stendani very well in my spaces. I brought along my child in meetings, in practice, in face-to-face -face meetings. And if things are really, really hard, I will just, the, the furthest I will go is to apologize and mute and say, can I speak next? Because I need to deal with this right now. Yeah. Um, because of the responsibilities that I have. So we are the ones who need to start the action. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so I really want to get a question in because our time is limited and I would also like to have our closing remarks. So Tendani, I'm going to ask you to also address this question because, uh, you know, whenever we speak about remote work, we do know that it's also quite exclusionary conversations. Um, I'm going to talk about South Africa in this stage. And Nigeria has the similar challenges as well. You know, we have load shedding, uh, which is scheduled uh, power cuts um, that pose a major problem for remote workers, especially those who cannot afford to pay for alternative energy sources. But we also have issues around data costs and access, you know, um, to the internet and all sorts of, uh, of issues, particularly for people who are not only taking their jobs uh, from the office to remotely, but also those who are applying for remote positions that might not be um, in their locations. What are your thoughts uh, on how to address this? Uh, load shedding, right? Um, load shedding means that we now have to learn how to manage our times very well. Um, load shedding also means that in addition to the many things that we are dealing with, we it is interesting when you're working with people in Australia because they don't understand what's going on. You have to explain that I might not meet the deadline because of this and this and that. And of course, it just affects the infrastructure altogether. Um, and people joke about it, but it's not a joke that, you know, we, it's affecting our economy. It, it's just making us go downwards um, as life goes on. I think that's, that's all I can say about load shedding. I don't know. It's, it's 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 challenging to navigate remote working without electricity. That's it. Thank you. And um, uh, Prince, do you want to speak to that? Yeah, I, I, I largely want to agree with uh, Dr. Tendani. It just tells you 
it also, again, now, now you look at this conversation and let me add a little bit of dynamism to it. To a whole lot of people, if you, if you stay in the global north, even the word load shedding, is, is, you begin to ask, what are you shedding? What's load shedding? Um, you have neighborhoods. Um, these are large industrial neighborhoods, work cities where you only get electricity maybe two hours a day, three hours a day, or one day in three days. And you, you, you can imagine, let's, let's say a classic example is I'm having this conversation from a part of Nigeria where there's load shedding at this hour. So if I don't have access to alternative power, I can be part of this conversation. You won't change the time. And wouldn't have. so you find out that some of these things are in their, in their very essence, dynamic to probably a set of uh, a perspective, a set of culture, a set of people. And if we keep shying away from it, if we keep running away from it, uh, let me end by a personal experience. So I, I was opportunity to go to some part of, 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 of Nigeria and I think the, the video even said, went, went viral. And we were discussing with a group of farmers who were introduced to solar power energy. And they just asked those who brought it to come carry the solar panels that it was responsible that the solar panels were responsible for the low yield, that they don't know what those solar panels were doing. You can imagine that level of ignorance. Yes, on one hand, level of ignorance, but on the other hand, no one's explaining climate change to them. No one is explaining the essence of those solar panels and how it can help in terms of their production, their farming and all that. These are dynamics, but same for South Africa, same for Nigeria, lots of parts of Africa. Thank you so much, Prince. And I'd like to just um, give us some great thoughts uh, by one of our audience members, uh, Aliza Jonas, who has said, this is a meaningful conversation. I truly respect the fact that as a society, we are well aware of the cultural household demands that African women bear, but I don't think we have yet reached a conclusion on the practical ways and solutions that workplaces can implement to ensuring and promoting gender equity in remote working places. And um, many of the conversations and the debates that have come up today have clearly showed that there's a lot of work to do. And this is an important conversation for us to continue having. And I hope that um, the next dialogues will continue, you know, allowing us for this um, critical engagement. Um, so before we close off, um, I personally want to thank Tendani and Prince um, for, you know, it, it was a, it was, it was an important and uncomfortable conversation. Uh, and I do think that we will have, um, you know, these kind of um, challenges in a conversation like this, uh, particularly based on, you know, our backgrounds and um, currently uh, what we see happening in the world. Short, half a sec, half a second closing statement from you, Prince. And please do consider as well um, your role today in the debate. Uh, a very quick one would be, first and foremost, um, I did like to say that um, um, without any excuses, loads uh, of apologies for sensitivities touched. Uh, I'm African and sometimes we need to be understood. Context, is, context will vary, uh, that much I can assure. Uh, but there were there were no intentions, uh, whether covertly, intently, or otherwise, to 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 make this an unsafe space. Uh, I believe that this should be an inclusive space, irrespective of our thoughts, our perspectives, uh, our opinions, and that has always been my take. No intention to cause harm, and of course, 
Uh, I want to thank those who, of course, uh, brought this to the fore and who will continue the engagement. Um, I'm like, I'm happy hearing you repeatedly say these are conversations that we keep going and on, are on and on. And let me say this, uh, making my final, in addition to my final remarks, uh, we can't run away from some of those conversations. Uh, in the global south, the place of education with the girl child, how it still pans out, uh, the place of isolation and burnout for women, how do we tackle it? How do we prioritize it? Uh, the place of lack of access itself to resources, how does it pan out and how do we tackle it? Uh, as much as um, these are tough topics, I think, uh, and I do agree, uh, the, 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 the contexts, how we pan the words we use, of course, do matter. And the ability to show empathy when making some of those conversations is also equally important. And I, I dare say thank you to everybody. Thank you so much. Uh, Tendani, your closing thank you. remarks. Thank you very much. Um, thank you for the opportunity and thank you for whoever came up with the idea of inviting me here. I will. Um, I had an opportunity to deeply reflect upon the gender roles and I have, through the charts, I have seen some of the deep things that we as a society have not reflected upon. I am giving it to everybody that is there that whatever the problems you think they are right now, African women, uh, men working, it is your problem. Go and do something about it. Um, I think the chair knows that I am doing something about it. Um, this one was great to just come and talk about it, but I'm already running in the ground, making sure that we get equitable remote working uh, opportunities. And I am so thankful for virtually meeting Dr. Prince. I'm going to follow up and we're going to have more discussions. And thank you very much to the um, to the organizers. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you again to our speakers for your thoughtful contribution. Thank you to our international sign interpreters and captioner for their work. Um, and finally, thanks to our audience for joining us today and your great question. And again, I apologize for any triggers that may have occurred. And uh, we, thank, we thank the two speakers for addressing the issues and we continue um, to address these issues as we go on. Thank you.